Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a periodic discussion with guests from around the But Why Though writing community brought together under one roof to discuss the latest happenings in nerd pop culture community. My name is Aaron and I am joined by But Why Though's very own editor-in-chief, Kate, and of course the man behind the curtain that makes everything tick on the website, Matt. Hi folks. Hi. Hello. We're back. How's everyone? How's everyone doing? Yeah. We're here. Yes, we're ready. Alive yeah. in twenty twenty two seems like a very a very large accomplishment. So I was going to say that's a very high bar to set these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. We are going to be talking about the latest trailers, including the new Wednesday Adams trailer, which is coming to Netflix. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which I know is Kate's bag, and Rick and Morty season six trailer, which I'm very excited about. Our weekly topic this week focuses on HBO Max removing a ton of content from their streaming platform seemingly overnight, which we will dive more into later. So stay with us. And lastly, Kate, Matt and myself will be giving some thoughts on some of the great things we've been watching lately, which we think you should be watching as well. So let's dive into the trailers and see what caught our eyes this week. First up, of course, it's the Wednesday Adams trailer. Uh, the series comes to Netflix this fall, is directed by Tim Burton, stars Jenna Ortega as Wednesday Adams, Luis Guzman as Gomez Adams, Catherine Cedar-Jones as Morticia, Isaac Odones, I think it is, as Pugsley, and it is also going to be featuring uh, Christina Ricci and Gwendolyn Christie, which I'm very excited about, by the way. What did everyone think about Wednesday? I'm letting Kate go first. Oh. I know she's going to yell. Yeah, I was like, all I have to say is it is time for Latina goths to rise and take our spot in the shaded sunshine like we should. I am very excited. I have been a huge Adams Family fan for forever. And I think one of the things that I don't know if a lot of people know about, like, Latinos, Latinas, like, we really like alt culture and goths and like Raul Julia is our king for a reason. Um, so to see them remake the Adams family with um, Jenna Ortega, who is phenomenal. She's an amazing actress to fall out on HBO. You should watch it. It is heartbreaking. It really shows her ability to act. It's just, it's, it's great. And I actually <laughs> really love Luis Guzman as, uh, as Gomez. He's not like the suave, devonair, like Raul Julia Gomez that we all know. But like, he is that creepy little man from like the cartoon or like the, the comic strips perfectly. <laughs> and I will not stand for Luis Guzman slander because that man is just, he's a sweet angel and he deserves attention. The one thing is I am waiting for all the non-Latinos to start reviewing this and call Catherine Zeta-Jones Latina because she oh, has played one so many times. She's Welsh. And I am waiting she's for that slip-up. She's very, slip up. very Welsh. I am, I am waiting for that slip-up to happen. Um, thank you, Mask of Zorro, and everything that subsequently happened. Um, but I'm really excited. And from the trailer, like, Gwendolyn Christie looks bomb. Like, keep casting her as the devil. Keep casting her as, like, dark head mistresses. Like, 
Oh, I love that six foot tall woman. Like, it, I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> I am happy with everything I saw from Wednesday. It is giving us something completely different from what we've seen in the past, while also giving us so close to what the Adams family is. I am stoked. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Matt, any comments? Wow, that was a lot. <clears throat> no, I, it took, I will say the trailer got me better than what I was anticipating. I'm still probably not like a Kate, like, I'm just going bananas over it but it definitely was better than what i was expecting when this was first announced um Lise, i'm still look for what they're doing with the character and how they've been trying to do the older version i'm okay and i think he looks great at it i'm still not fully sold like thing i still like the more like suave we got but i think overall what we saw was very good from what we've seen there and it'll be interesting obviously i mean i want to see how they're going to end up who all they end up bringing in from the family and if it's just going to be like mainly them and mainly Wednesday, if we're going to see anybody else. Um, but it, it turned out a lot better than what I was expecting. Um, I, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I think I was definitely surprised uh, by seeing the trailer, but I mean, even just generally the social media reaction, people really like was taken aback. I don't think anyone was quite expecting what came forward. Which is always nice to see when everyone's kind of like positively reacting and, and connecting with something. So it, it looks really kind of weird and twisted, which that's what the Adams family is supposed to be about. I mean, we all grew up, you know, seeing those original films. And even then, like, it was quite weird. It still was like a huge thing. Like, I remember all my friends in school, we just loved the Adams family. It was just a cool thing to like um and it, you can just get really like creative and fun with it and it it showed a couple of things within the, the trailer there that really look like they're trying to push a, a couple of like strange limits i'm completely okay with it so i also really like that it captured like the heart of the adams family stuff is because like wednesday is always trying to kill pugsley but like <laughs> only wednesday can do that like yes. like her getting expelled from school because she like tried to kill people who attacked her little brother yes that's my girl. <laughs> I always like that Pugsley was just always okay with it. It's like, yeah, yes, well, she's fine. my sister. You know, this happens. <laughs> yeah, it looks it's like exciting. an absolute bonkers trailer. So I'm, I'm also a little surprised. Like some of the Tim Burton stuff, I've not always been great with, but like Tim I'm Burton was up here for me. I am, I am very uh, thankful that he casted some brown folks in a movie for the first time in like forever or ever um but like for me like tim burton was very high on my list of directors that i loved and then as i started giving him more money for projects it became very clear that he is a director that needs guardrails <laughs> yeah. like beetlejuice perfection whatever the hell alice in wonderland was no yeah. like the man needs restraints and i'm hoping an episodic format gave him that my only, and if you go back to episode, was it three, where we talked about Eric Kripke, or two, we talked about Eric Kripke, and, yeah. like, people saying they're just making really long movies with these television shows, that's my fear. Because they have said think, that it's supposed to be we, an eight-hour-long Tim Burton movie, and I'm like, that's. Mm -hmm. I think we'd seen comments about that. We talked in the, the Discord this week, and, yeah, it, it I think that's one of the things that kind of tipped me off. Like, I, I think a couple of images are being released, and I was like, mm. and then the eight-hour movie thing was like, oh, no. Like, the just... only thing I can hope for oh. is if that's how it's treated, then it's something that is perfectly fine in a one season format. And I don't have to worry about not getting another one. 
Yeah, it will be. I guess it will be curious to see because I guess that's where some of these shows can live or die. They kind of like just a limited series or like if yeah. fan reactions huge, like, oh, we weren't expecting this. You know, maybe we can do more with it. So it'd be interesting to see if it was just planned for a one and done or if they're going to leave it open, perhaps. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But we still don't even have a release date yet. It's just kind of still being loosely said as fall 2022. Kind of as we talk about, you're going to get all the episodes all at once. So it's an eight-hour movie. At least it might flow together better. At least. <laughs> better than I'm getting yeah, like the yeah. middle intermission part in between two acts of for one week of thank you. Like this was terrible. Yeah, at least you can kind of have that continuous story and flow through and just binge it, and that works. I don't know how it's going to work with Adam Family. I don't think that works well, but personally, I'd rather see segmented, but whatever. We'll go. Yeah, I was going to say, and sticking sticking with Netflix and sticking with Kate's goth phase, we have Guillermo <laughs> del Toro's Never Cabinet of Purity. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we have to go right to Kate. Kate, how are you feeling about this? Because I know Guillermo is your man. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro is my director. I have the Funko Pop of him. I have the action figure from NECA Toys from him. Like, he captures what I love about horror, which is that, like, monsters not always being the most monstrous thing. And also, like, his eye for, like, how he infuses culture in his horror is something that's really important for me. So I'm so excited to see him tell... In antho- an anthology story where he gave directors full reign to go in and do their thing. So, like, the trailer-ish that we got was just Guillermo talking about how he essentially just let these directors loose in the worlds that they're playing in. Now, some directors are giving original stories. Some directors are giving adaptations of, like, Lovecraft stories. Um, but it's eight of them and I really want to call it out because it's actually like a really diverse and international slate of directors that's dope. So you have Jennifer Kent, who's known for The Babadook and The Nightingale, um, Anna Lily Armipour, who is an Iranian director who did A Girl Walks a Home at, uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is one of the best vampire films around. You have Catherine Hardwick from Twilight, but she also did Lords of Dogtown 13. She's not the best director. I'm not excited for this one, but we'll see. Vincenzo Natali, who is an Italian director who did The Cube, which is one of the best dang movies. Like, it is simple. That's the one where they're in The Cube and they have to go through the little block rooms and use geometry and, like, math and stuff. I saw Matt's face. You all can't see it, but I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have Guillermo Navarro, who's a Mexican director um, and cinematographer. He actually did cinematography on Pan's Labyrinth and Pacific Rim, but he has done a lot of episodic TV series. So he's done Sleepy Hollow, Limitless, Narcos, uh, Hannibal, um, Godfather of Harlem. Like he has a pretty robust, like, thing what's it called filmography um (laughs) david Pryor, who did the empty man which is based on the boom comic and that is one of the most underrated horror movies out there you have keith thomas who did the amazing jewish horror film the vigil um and then you have panos cosmatos the dude who directed rage-filled nick cage and mandy so like this is just like this is the horror i love these are the directors that i love like i cannot wait to see what it brings it's going to be over the course of four nights two episodes a night which 
I'm not super stoked on, but I like are, that they're making it an event. Are they trying to do like the Fear Street thing they did last year? Especially kind of, yeah. They're trying the to do like an October event. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I guess you can yeah, really like, I can at least out. get behind that. Yeah, like, it's a Halloween build-up, if I remember. Like, that's what they did exactly. last year. And people yeah. seem to love that. And look, spooky season starts like now. <laughs> All <laughs> the way until November 1st. Um... But yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited for the complexity of storytelling. I'm excited for the different people. Like, you have, like, Ben Barnes, Andrew Leakin, Sophia Botea. Like, it the heavy, is going to be so good. Like, if if any of this fails, maybe Catherine Hardix will. That's fine. But, like, if any <laughs> of it fails outside of her, she said something very racist in the Miss Bollock Q&A, and I've never gotten over it. I, like, it's it's so good. I'm sorry. I'm just excited. That was like gibberish and a rant, <laughs> but like I can't stop being excited because this is this is why I love the genre and this is why I love what Guillermo del Toro brings to the table because when he picks a project, he lets people run. And that is something that I think is great. So I guess that's my curiosity with this on you know, right on title with this. But uh, so Guillermo is serving as like an executive producer, kind of like guiding, you know, like a guiding hand. Yeah. So he's officially showrunner and creator. He's written a few of them. But overall, the directors have pretty much full say on everything that they're doing. So it's interesting as well, because you say with uh, Netflix kind of giving that money to kind of pass through, because then he's also got Pinocchio coming up yes. on Netflix in December as well. Uh, so yep. he's definitely uh, found a... Where the home of Netflix is mega money, so that's it's good to see. And we'll hopefully, you know, come October twenty fifth and leading into that whole period there. Which, really to be fair, thing. like Guillermo del Toro is able to do what he's doing now. One, because he's a powerhouse of a director, and he consistently invests in new creatives. But the true reason why he can do what he's doing is because of Mike Flanagan, because Mike Flanagan with the Hill House series, Bly Manor, like everything that Mike Flanagan has put out is it proved the concept of pushing hard in horror and giving those I don't like the I don't like the word, but like those artours the space and a, like just the money to kind of run. And so I think what Mike Flanagan did there was do proof of concept for the hard October push into horror. And I think that's ine that's inevitably what led them to capturing somebody as big as Guillermo. So from the Netflix standpoint. I was just saying, it's definitely seeming to be doing well and they're doing more. I, I think I had a rumor that they're actually bringing more out in, uh, they're expanding on the Fair Street series for Netflix as well. So I think they are. Like it's, I have really loved a lot of everything that, like, Netflix has been doing with horror. They have quite a bit of misses, but they have some really great, like, exploration pieces that I think are really good. I also just want people to forget that he did Pacific Rim 2 as a producer. <laughs> maybe. Maybe someday. Someday. They never will. That movie is so bad. Well, I mean, he was a writer on the Hobbit trilogy, if it makes you feel better. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that! Yes! Oh. I also like seeing pictures of him and Peter Jackson together because they look so similar. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on from Guillermo del Toro and everything about spooky season that Kate loves, which she also loves the next section too, let's jump into Rick and Morty season six trailer, which I know is Matt's bag. 
but we can jump into Matt's reaction. So one, I want to talk about, because you said like this is also Kate's bag, and but it's only Kate's bag because I get to watch it with Kate. And I get to watch the horrors of Kate's face while she laughs and then gets <laughs> mad at me for me laughing. I am continually, like, I I just laugh and I put my fingers in my head because I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? Like that baby mm-hmm. episode, like last season, that thing, <laughs> and I'm just like, why are you making me watch this? And then it's like, Kate, you chose to sit here and watch. I'm like, oh, you're right. It's like when Matt gets pulled into, like, the, the Real Housewives for a while and he had, like, very strong opinions about Lisa Vanderpump. Like, that, like... The funny thing is how Kate found Rick and Morty because we went to a convention a long time ago and we all and everybody we were with, including myself, was Rick and Morty because when I used to travel for work all the time, I, I actually had like cable in the hotel for a like, and so I always watched Adult Swim. And so that's how I found Rick and Morty. And Kate had no idea. And so we went to this convention and we we're all like, oh yeah, blah, blah, pickle Rick. And Kate's like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> and she felt so like so much FOMO or whatever we call it these days that basically she went back and found it and was determined to start watching it. And now. She's addicted. I am. Like, I don't understand how you can make, like, the most obscene and juvenile jokes, but also have, like, astrophysics humor and, like, actual smart people humor at the same time. Like, it's great. And I hate. People. However, I no, I love, I love <laughs> that it's terrible people. It's my new Archer. However, yes. I will never be, a, I will never not be angry at this show because this is the reason everybody says Sanchez. Ah. Sore spot. Just a tiny spot. I love spot it. There. It's great. <laughs> yeah, so I just love this show. It's just bonkers. And it's nice to see, like, a lot of people from the show have gone on to, like, do a lot. Like, they've gone on to some big successes. I think it was Michael Waldron from the show went on to do Loki uh, within the Marvel Universe. Somebody's doing She Hulk, if that's correct. Um, as well. <laughs> is that a success? Well, that's I mean, they're getting paid, Loki. okay? That's what that's matters. That's not a success. You Nobody should take credit for doing that. Just show. get paid. <laughs> I know uh, Mike McMahon went on to do uh, Solar Opposites with uh, Justin Roiland, and then he's also doing um, Star Trek Lower Decks on Paramount Plus. So there's a lot of animation spin off as well, but it shows just bonkers. And I, I always feel bad because I always feel like people kind of give it a bad rap. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. Rook and Morty. It's kind of like, yeah, but I, I still hear people talking about like The Simpsons and Family Guy and things like yeah. that. And I'm like, you can't and also, talk like, down humor, on Rick and Morty. The like. humor in Rick and Morty is like infinitely smarter than on those shows. The only one that it is not smarter than is Futurama. But like, oh, but like Family it's, it's Guy. Up there. There's a and... few episodes where it's up there, and it's also just because Futurama gives you a glimpse of hope a little bit better. Than this show oh, there's no open. I will say to that <laughs> point, not. though, like what got me really excited about watching the season six trailer is that actually when I was at the Crunchyroll convention, I interviewed um, Burnout Syndromes, which is a very large J-pop band in Japan. They they have done like so many anime openings that like they they're iconic. And I asked the question if there was something that you love that was made into an anime. What like what's your dream project? And the second answer was, well, I'm actually really into American media right now, and I would love to do the OP for the Rick and Morty anime that they're making. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, because there's there's a spinoff coming, right? There is based on like that one that, that one uh, that one episode from season five. Was it um, the one the one with the ravens? 
Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was really Great. cool. Like one of the members of like one of the <laughs> largest J pop groups to come like to come out of Japan was like, Oh yeah, Rick and Morty. <laughs> so the favorite episode before we get out of this, which probably would I know I I know what you're gonna say. Is Kate now understands and fills me up. I will sit in a tub of acid <laughs> until the end of time for you, Kate. Till you understand what you need to do. <laughs> The vat of acid, the vat of acid episode is just so they're all just. But I know, Kate, you struggled on that one, right? Yeah. No, no one can see a nod. I (laughs) I struggled on a lot of season five, and I wouldn't say that any of it was bad. It was just like, oh my god, and I think that like if you can thread that needle, especially with me. So, like, I watch a lot of bad things, but, like, I, there are some things where I'm like, nope, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get up, and I'm not gonna engage here anymore, but, like, <laughs> it kept me right on that line of, oh my god, I want to turn it off, and oh my god, this is really funny, why am I laughing at this, I am a horrible person, uh, and I think that it was great. So, I, I'm really excited for season six, uh, we will binge watch it on our couch, uh, <laughs> They just bring yeah. out the most bizarre concepts from like they had that like really heartwarming like really deep episode about pooping on a toilet. Yes, like, that was How? very very How? hard. Like, that was like oh, I also re- just like don't like there it gets really depressing. Like oh. just and I think like, what, and it, draws, it? it draws me in because of the way which I think we talk about these eight hour movies we've been seeing, but these shows and these episodes they're like I just love them because they're like drawn out perfectly. And they have that nice... So of, condensed. But they have these nice, like, what we tried to focus on. The weird thing, it's kind of like what Seinfeld ended up doing, whether people know it or not, of, like, this weird triangle where it branches out nicely, things don't quite make sense, it goes crazy, and then, like, that the, the toilet episode, and you're like, where are we going with this? This is absurd. And then you finally, you get to that last, like, minute and a half, and all just clicks. And you're just like, oh, oh yeah. this is great. And yeah. I just love Ooh, the way like they... Pickle Rick! Yeah, they string it all together oh, like in this pickle. weird like branching thing, you know, with tendrils going out, and it just wraps up all like perfectly. And I guess this is what I've always loved about the show, like the way this the storytelling yeah. and how it put together. I I have firmly held that I think Rick and Morty is something that is really easy to hate if you haven't kind of like watched more than one episode. Um, and I'm never somebody who's like just watch it till you like it. Like if you don't like, it, you don't like it. But I actually think a lot of the people who hate it haven't actually watched it and haven't watched some of those yep. episodes specifically, because I think that the team over there does something really smart when it comes to like, like really nihilist humor, potty humor, but then also like some pretty good takes on family and humanity, like and friendship at the same time so i'm excited for season six we didn't even talk about what was in the trailer but at this point we've used our time but yeah i'm excited it's just a good time any time is a good time to promote people to watch it so speaking of rick and morty on hbo max uh it has also been announced uh, i think it was through a an article on variety this week that hbo max will be removing or has removed 36 titles including 20 original movies from its platform uh spokesman hbo said we are trying to work to bring towards our content catalogs together under one platform we will be making changes to the content offering available on both hbo max and discovery plus hbo max's statement reads this will include the removal of some content from both platforms so 
a lot has gone on with Warner Brothers lately, especially with HBO Max, and it all kind of snowballed off a hill with the announcement of the Batgirl movie cancellation. So I guess my question to you guys is, what were your first thoughts and reactions in relation to this? Did you think we'd kind of end up rolling this far down the hill? I didn't really care. Um, I don't watch like I like the most that I have watched HBO Max has been when I went into a true crime hole and decided to watch all of their documentaries. Like all of them. They are not all good. They're some of them are truly atrocious, but I watched them anyway because that was that was the vibe I was in. Um, and like the Lisa Ling like food documentary and Kumel Bell's like America documentary like series. That's all I watch it for. I don't watch any of the original stuff. I think a lot of it is because, like, I grew up, like, HBO was the rich person thing. And so I just accepted I was never going to watch HBO shows. Like, and that isn't to say they don't have great stuff. Like, Watchmen is is there. Like, Peacemaker is there. Like, they have, like, good series. But, like, it was just, it was never... I guess True Blood, like, way back when, like, that was the most I watched of HBO. And so even in my adult life, I have an HBO, like, Mac subscription, and it is literally only active because my mother is like, don't cancel it. Because um, she <laughs> uses it. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. I don't care about anything on there. Matt. So I'm in the same realm with Kate. Of one, I was a little surprised about some of the movie cancellations and everything, only because of how far the projects were done. They're like, we've wrapped this up. And I'm like, you gave Zack Snyder $100 million on a fake uh, moon landing type, we finished a movie type thing, and you were mad about this movie? To be fair, if they had touched Blue Beetle, I would have cried. I would have been so <laughs> angry if they had touched my boy. Like, I would have, I there would have been a wrath but as far so that was a little thing but personally i was with kate of like i don't care i didn't care about batgirl in the first place but i definitely just don't care about some of those other slate of things um my big thing was like i i still don't know what people watch on there which we'll kind of get into obviously with the removals because i think it's a little different but kind of my first reactions of like oh everybody keeps telling me what's good on there and then i'm like well what's good on there and they're like and they name off all these shows and i'm like isn't that just hbo that's not hbo like originals is it And they're like oh well you know it's hbo and i'm like that's not the same thing i've only watched i watch it for ricky morty which is not even hbo original and i've watched two i think two of the originals i think between station 11 and yeah. dmz and thought they were both one was completely terrible and the other one was very mid to kind of awful um <laughs> The biggest thing out of me was kind of laughing in my head of going, which is probably where people are going to be blown away in this whole entire thing of learning that Discovery was way bigger and they won the battle between the merger of coming out on like, it is not Warner Brothers HBO, which some Discovery is, Discovery, which HBO on it, which, which we'll talk about in the end of like, I watch Discovery Plus all the time. So this is a little <laughs> kind of interesting watch. But yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I think I was just quite surprised. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about some of the DC movies that were supposed to be getting announced that were coming to HBO Max, should have been cinematic, going cinematic, you know, will they, won't they? And then I think this was a $90 million already spent mm -hmm. that far on. I think that's what kind of caught me off guard. And then all of a sudden it kind of just seemed like from there on out, it was a flourish of, articles and statements of what could be next yeah. and 
you know, what's on the chopping block, you know, Warner Brothers reviewing this and that. And again, a lot of it kind of came out with this, you know, inevitable announcement, which we knew we were all expecting that it would be this merger of HBO, Warner Brothers in with yeah. Discovery. Um, well, it's one of those things, I think, for a lot of people, if you had been paying attention, like Warner Media has been struggling like really hard for quite some time. They liquidated Crunchyroll as an asset because they needed money. Well, I was going to say it was a big deal when they first announced like Crunchyroll and everyone was really excited yeah. and like, wow, when they what acquired an offering. It cause, yeah, because they were, they were offering Crunchyroll in a very... Um, some some fairly niche anime shows in a very like more o- to a more open audience like on HBO Max as a as a profile or as a as a platform and then they sold it off super quick. One, you should never let telecom companies buy any type of media, which should have been the first thing we learned probably a yes. long long time ago. <laughs> but two, this also because of the cancellations and all the statement proves still still go with the common theory that all Hollywood filming and all this stuff is just money laundering all the time for rich people. It is. That's all it is. Well, tax havens. Well, I mean, it's just money. It's all tax havens, tax money, laundering. money laundering. Like the yeah. whole weird of like the way film production works, marketing budgets. That's why we still don't even know. They give random budget numbers, and we don't know everything, and you're just confused. Yeah. I was gonna say, if anyone is genuinely surprised, because I know one of the, I don't know if it was an article or prevailing theory, or uh, David Zaslav actually came out and said it, but saying that um, Backel was cancelled essentially to take the loss against their taxes. They've been doing that for decades. Yep. Like plenty of investment guys, like big money people who, you know, are kind of hidden behind curtains, just basically say, I want to fund this movie, but I just don't want it to be very good. And they mess about with it and they screw it up. And then they, it doesn't come out or it, it goes to the cinema and it bombs. And everyone's like, why did this bomb? And some. It's a loss. Just, yeah, some person's just going to, ah, well, now I don't have to pay as much in taxes. And it's yeah. there. It's Is that what happened there. with the Matrix 4? but no i think like and i think like as we kind of like like as we move to like the next like the next point of like them cutting content and stuff like i think like i think that's that's a good summation is i think that like there was no screen that capitalism was working behind here it was front it was center and art the art creators none of that matters when it's bottom dollar and I think that, like, that was probably the most abrasive thing for people to realize. That, like, creators and animators, specifically animators, have been talking about for years. Like, they talked about it with Netflix. They've talked about it with DreamWorks. They've talked about it with, with Disney. And I think that, like, this was just that big, like, lift of, oh, look, this is actually everything that happens. It is just a money laundering scheme. Um, and I think that that's, like, the big issue is that I actually... I don't think if those live action movies, I don't think if those weren't in play, people would have cared as much about the animation. The funny thing we bring that up yeah. is Disney basically did that with all of Fox's stuff and they've been doing it yes. bearing whether it's movies and everything. Nobody cares or blinks. We yeah. get a Batgirl movie canceled and everybody acts like the world is falling. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, have you not seen what Disney did to Fox for the last three years? Nightmare Alley failed with one of the most prestigious directors and casts because Disney purposely put it up against its slate to bury it. That's and that's not including all the movies they took out of theaters, all the stuff they removed from their platforms. Like. Everything that Hulu has now become a dumping ground, which like, it's fine for me. I think, I think streaming needs more credit than it gets. So I use dumping ground loosely. But it's a dumping ground considered for Disney because subs don't turn profits. Ticket sales do. And so Disney 
prioritizes Disney films in theaters. Um, and and that, they don't, that they, don't they don't want to compete against itself. They want audiences in seats yep. to see a limited mm-hmm. selection, which is their selection. Which is why control, I'm pro they control, they control more of the market. <laughs> which, yeah. But to go to the original content as we kind of move to the next part of, one, I feel bad because they announced all this stuff, and I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. And people, you know, I feel like, oh, I guess I'm terrible. I don't know. But two, it is wild to see just, yeah, things disappear out of thin air, and it never existed. That's the thing that scares me the most, is, like, yeah. we are in it, like, at least when things had generate like, um, and syndication rights, things got physical releases, so you could, like, buy the seasons of things, even after it wasn't showing on television. Like, that's gone now. Like, yeah, literally, you own those like, rights they can your delete it. Property, just... They can delete it from history. Indiana I... Jones style, put it in the closet in the back. Yeah, everybody's yeah. like, okay, can we, get Bo- can we get BoJack on DVD for, like, two months, please? Because people are like, oh, no, like, what is gone? And obviously I know it's a yeah. different platform, but I think just everybody started realizing that, oh, this stuff is gone. And I know, and I think like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and I know before we've always been, I'm still, will never be pro-media because I think it just wastes a lot of space. But, and I think there's a lot of ways that people don't realize that like physical media can literally be just ruined just by general, you don't, you own it, but you don't realize how much you really don't. But the point of the matter of this, of like just watching it disappear with no chance of anything and probably beyond anything we've seen and, and finally yeah. came to it, It's fruit. terrifying. Like, cause yeah. it, cause essentially what you end up, like if you take this to its absolute end, you can remove entire swaths of history. Cause whether people want to say it or not, like, like as somebody who has studied history and has studied pop culture, you can actually track really large geopolitical trends. You can track cultural ten- trends, cultural tensions. You can track all of that through a media library because they're reflections of what we're doing in society at the time. It lets you sanitize history. It also lets you craft an alternate one. And I'm not saying that, like, Infinity Train is, like, this big piece <laughs> of, like, you know, like, but when you take this to the end, like, at what point, like, in this ever-growingly and fascist society that we're living in, does that get abused to a certain point if somebody buys a media capital and, like, deletes them? Because, like, while everybody's complaining about the animation generation is literally going off of everything. That is an amazingly brown and black queer show that came out on HBO Max as an HBO Max original and was really good. And that's going to be gone. And there are so few sh- few shows out there that show that type of lens where it's like, you know, it's gone. The, the weird thing, and I know it's sad to bring back, but I think of like Jack Kirby, Marvel Legend, or Disney Legend, and I'm like, that never happened. But guess what? They have everything to know that that's what happened. And yeah. obviously it's a little different, but as you talk about going out, because like basically what we're seeing now is what we've seen already from Disney like seven, ten years ago, setting the groundwork of this. Now the difference yeah. is Warner Brothers has got enough properties and enough stuff to where they're now doing it. But no, it is, I don't know what's going to happen with this copy. Because so the main thing we talk about this is all the time in games, but that's what emulators and other stuff of game preservation and everything else. There is no emulator, from my knowledge, of how you emulate something off of the, the only way platform. you can save these shows it's... is if you go in right now and save those torrents. But if nobody torrented those shows, yeah, they're gone. Can you even like DVD record that thing anymore? Like, is that even possible? Like, I like I don't even know how you save stuff here. God, you just bring in flashbacks now of copy VHSs and 
Like, I'm not Jeez, a big fan man. of physical media, but the, this was definitely one of those, like, ooh, this stuff's yeah. gone. It, it I mean, is deleting uh, history. Like, I know that it sounds alarmist, but that is that is actually what is happening. I, I mean, Matt, it's these people or Disney. Yeah, I was going to say, Matt, I know you and I had had these conversations of, of quite a while ago about the whole, you know, Disney essentially can just bury a lot of the Fox content and never bring it out. They could choose They've to done keep that already. That kinda... That's the thing. Exactly. It's <laughs> just... It's not. It's like it doesn't exist. It's just not there, and you cannot find it. Um, and it's a scary thing to think of. It's kind of like the content that was out there existed. It had its thing, but you just can't access it now. Which and also, like, not sad. even thinking about actors because actors get paid way too much money. But like, <laughs> I'm not saying directors and writers don't, but like everybody who dedicates like their lives to these crews, like to to these films, to, especially like animators and voice actors are severely overpaid if you if you just step away from like the live action stuff like these are crews of like 10 15 20 50 people like a whole studio that has dedicated their time to making something and now there is a delete button and it's gone like that is just a terrifying prospect as an artist and an even more terrifying prospect as like what about my royalty rights? What about product rights? What about, like, if you draw that to everything else, like, that can crash studios. Yeah. And what it, studios I, anymore? There's only, like, four of them. We're going to be pretty soon. That's what they're pushing for. Like, that, and that that's, like, one of the sad things, too, is, like, the animation studio piece, and I, I don't know as much about it in America as I do in Japan, but, like, the American anim- animation studio scene is really bad because a lot of it is getting bought up by giant companies who are underpaying, and a lot of them are having to like do outsourced work instead of original projects. And that is like it's decimating because animation is, in my opinion, a better medium a lot of the times than live action. Like I would say, the most American content I watch is animated versus like the live action American stuff. Like. It's just terrifying. And I say that, like, while also knowing that, like, I spend way more time in Discovery Plus than I do HBO Max. I could do two things. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and I think that uh, brings up an interesting segue as far as, you know, like, is Warner Brothers just strictly looking at this and somewhat of an optimistic approach, probably, but, like, as far as the data to say, well, yeah, maybe this is art and it's good, but like the numbers just aren't there to support it being on the platform versus for anyone who's not been paying attention, unscripted TV and stuff on Discovery Plus as far as reality TV does massive numbers. Yeah. And that's where they're leaning. And that's what you're going to see a lot of. And I will turn it over to Matt. I don't want really to turn over to me, but no, Kate was obviously <laughs> talking about... So one, obviously they get this whole weird presentation, which we're not going to dive in and out of all that presentation, but you need to lean in for this content. Don't lean out. Um, but I think there was a lot in that presentation that's kind of what going on, and then I think a lot of people just don't understand data and, and stuff. But also, like, I think people got the opening reality when they popped up here. Here are major franchises... And one, seeing it's not just Superman, it's not just Batman, you know, and then they see this big old 90-day fiancé cinematic universe, and people are like, what's going on? And why are we getting scripted TV? People watch the crap out of all this scripted or unscripted TV. I love scripted TV. I'm not a big reality fan, but to try to deny, like, what the numbers are and the demographics and everything, like, there's just so much 
data. I mean, there's a lot of missing, but there's also a lot of out there that's like, I don't think we realize how many people are watching Discovery Plus, which is Kate and I, who watch Discovery Plus all the time. And yeah, between, I, whoop, oh, go ahead. I would say, what people don't realize also Discovery Plus, before we go in here, people think like, what's even on there? And I'm like, you know they own like 10 different, like almost 15 channels, right? Everybody was excited because HBO had like HBO regular and then had like some Cartoon Network and I don't even know what else they own, to be honest, but it was like, Discovery Plus has got like TLC, History Channel, Discovery, Discovery Originals, which is HBO's version, uh, HGTV, Science Channel, like, uh, I came think There's of, a lot. Food Network. There's a lot. The I was going to say Network. Food Network. It's more yeah. than what Disney Plus has on their yeah. thing. And Magnolia, they the Magnolia, lot. the Cult Network. Like, it, there is like, their, catalog, their catalog is probably like 10 times larger than anything. Maybe Netflix yeah. might be the only thing close to it. And the thing is, is that, like, I don't think, like, because if we, if we take out, like, the emotion and the, the, the scariness of being able to delete programming, like, from a sheer number standpoint, unscripted television, and specifically unscripted television in the demographics that you see, like, from Discovery Plus, like, that is where everything is. And, like, I know that they were like, oh, well, we are going to lean for the 50-year-olds. 90 Day Fiance has 18, 18 series that spun off of one. And we have, like, we used to do, like, community nights in the past and everything like that. We organically started having day 90-day <laughs> Sunday nights in our, in the Discord, discord.gg slash what why, though, um, where we all get together to watch 90-day fiancé. Like, we binged through, like, three seasons. We've been watching the new one together because, to be honest, like, there, I, I don't think people give reality TV enough credit when it comes to community building in the fact that, like, it is very easy and takes very little effort to just watch it with your friends, make, like, their whole, like, if you can see this replicated in, like, ABC's The Bachelor, like, there are whole, like, gambling rings around The Bachelor <laughs> and, like, who's going to get forward. Like, that type of investment that takes very little brain power, like, it's there. Like, what was it? Like, 90 Day Fiance, like, has more viewers than, like, the NBA Finals? No, the NBA Playoffs. They out, like, last, playoffs, this past yeah. year, this past year. The uh, entire Playoffs. They, they basically had same drawing to out drawing. Basically, their episodes were beating NBA Playoffs. They were beating MLB Playoffs, like, this past year and everything else. Like, they're, like, one of the highest, they've been ranking from, like, one to six and highest rated show. Now, obviously, if you start getting, like, the basic cable, you get weird numbers and how they're still on the Nelson thing and whatever else thing of like yeah. <laughs> this only counts whatever. But like the drawings they have is huge. And the weird thing people don't realize talking about fifty year olds, I mean their demographics kind of are like I think like their main one is like twenty five to fifty four and I'm like, Y'all realize who twenty five year olds are? That's us. That's all that's us. us. <laughs> Everybody keeps thinking it's all the forty five year old like wine moms and I'm like, no, it's the twenty four year old, twenty five year old millennials. It's moms. like it, it's <laughs> the millennials who are trying to dissociate from the hellscape around them. Like that's <laughs> like we have like maybe eight to ten people every Sunday and we span like twenty six to like thirty six ish maybe. Like and like we get snacks and sometimes we get drinks and we just watch these nightmare people being nightmares because it like just feels nice. <laughs> and like it sucks. And is that art? No. However, I would say like the editors and the narrative designers on these reality TV shows go hard. The way that they build things up and cut shows, bravo. However, like I understand that it's cheap thrills, but like when you're looking at it from a money perspective, 
those cheap thrills sell. And all that matters is an eye. Oh, I know. It doesn't matter why you're watching. It just matters that you're watching. I mean, we'll we'll get my kids to sit down and watch Love It or List It. Like, okay, you've had your TV time. We're just going to throw some stuff on because we want to just kind of zone out. And all of a sudden, I'll be sitting there and watching it and like, like, all right, well, we've got to go do this. And like, what? And the kids are saying, well, hold on. We haven't, are they going to love it or list it? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> they're actively engaged. And they're eight and seven. Well, the weird thing. Like, for two, it's good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when people always think of reality TV, they think of, like, the trash that we're referencing. What people don't realize is HGTV is also, for a lot of times, very, you know, like, unscripted. Descriptive. How many seasons of Property Brothers did we watch? Think, well, oh. How many have we watched or how many are there? Because there's probably about Did we 12. watch? There's like, like just us. Like, we would watch one about for lunch. Between we would watch shows or whatever. Like, we would watch at lunch. We would watch, like, at nighttime to go to bed sometimes. And then we'd, like, re-watch, like, to catch up with, like, what we missed when we fell asleep. Like, we have, like, a rotation of, like, Nate and Jeremiah, uh... <laughs> David and Jenny and Mika and Brian and those are our people and we watch their shows. <laughs> I've turned into my mother, but I like I like it. They're good. Like they're good shows. I understand why like my nail salon has it constantly playing. One, I mean, it, they, I mean, look, are you going to be able to have the fencing? But you learn a lot of stuff, especially if you're doing anything with a home. Yeah, will I ever be able to buy that accordion door that is just a wall of windows? Probably not. But I know it exists now. And, I mean, that helped us think. But also, we think of, like, the Food Network with all the cooking and cooking shows. People love that. Dinah's Drive-Ins and Dives. Yeah. I mean, Classic. I mean, you talk about the History Channel with all those addictive stuff. Obviously, we get, like, like uh, Pawn Stars and crap. But, like, there's still other stuff on there. Like, the catalog is so big. Like, so I think people I have, really... I have, a great, I have a great story about one of those shows. I oh, think it's no. called, um, what's it, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the show, but it's Swamp People or something. Oh, is there Louisiana or like yeah, Gator Hunters people. or something? Yeah, yeah. So I was I took my wife to Ireland. Uh, you know, went to visit my family, and I went to visit my ancestral home of where my granddad's McDonald family like owned this huge plot of land, this farming land. It's very much a farmer's town. It's just houses, no shops. There's a there's a true local pub. In, it's a place called Arles, which is south of Dublin, and it's really really tiny. You drive through it and you blink and you miss it, and the pub only opens at like nine o'clock at night and it's just literally a group of people sitting around and playing cards after farming all day. So I, I took my wife in and, you know, we got a beer and they're all sitting around drinking Coke, playing cards, watching Swamp People on TV. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I come to Ireland and they're sitting there watching Swamp People. I was like, because I know what I, I was in college. One of my mates was like, you've got to watch this Swamp People show. And it was, it was fun to watch. And I just couldn't believe I flew, you know, Halfway around the world to watch Irish people watching Swamp People. I was like, Jesus Christ. So look, there's your there's your impact right there. And, I mean, to kind of go, because everybody, I know, kind of swing back, probably last thing for me of this night, I do want to talk about 90 Day Fiance and stuff of, like, the weird thing of, like, people, because it was the big one on the banner that everybody's confused about of, look, you want a cinematic universe with all your little Marvel and DC characters? Um, that's literally what 90 Day does, and they do it a lot better than those do. It's they probably, have whole-ass villains! They there's have people villains, who come back. There's people like these people are on. They have 18 different shows. Guess what? 18. Thought, is like I thought, I thought Shangela from RuPaul's Drag Race was like the person to beat on like comebacks to a show. No, nope. they're no. they 
you do like before 90 days, during 90 days, after 90, 90 days, days pillow talk. You have what the happy couples, you have the single people. Single life. They all know each other. There've been people who go start with one fiance, start in one way and they end they up with They meet a, each other they through meet it. A, they did another one along the way from a different season. People are on multiple shows, people are on multiple seasons. You want the cameos, you want the stuff, like all that stuff that you want. Literally is all found there. And the writing like it better whatever. It's a multiverse. Sometimes people come up and they like had so much plastic surgery, they look completely different. It's like you're watching a variant. It, 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 yeah, that's it. <laughs> and now we have the multiverse because there's now a UK version of it apparently, where they're doing yes. people from the UK who are now bringing people back to the UK. Like, there's a lot in there that people don't seem to realize. One, how much actual content's there. Two, how many people are devouring that content. And three, how much is actually very interwoven and interconnected. I would also like to point out, I'm sure we have new listeners here who don't know me and Matt, don't know Matt, but I'm also sure that a few of you in the audience have been listening to this since we were in our old format. And you know it takes a lot for Matt to be like, hell yeah, I watch that all the time. <laughs> the that, that should be what you need to start watching 90 Day Fiance. Look, it's trash, but it's, I mean, it, look, it's better than half of that stupid... Some it's of good shit. trash. Y'all got three seasons of Titans. I don't ever want to hear you hear say about 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> that was some of the worst writing and cinematic whatever I ever saw in my life. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so I think that brings us to the end of that topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If you've got thoughts on Warner Brothers what's going on there or anything that you like to watch on discovery plus or HDTV or the million of television show uh, channels that they have. Let us know. We'd love to know what you are watching because this is an open space. You can be safe here. Tell us what you're watching. Unless We'd you watch Titans it. and then you're not safe here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That moves us nicely on to topic three. What have you been watching this week? Guys. I will go first. So I have three reviews out for three things that I really loved. Um, the first is This Fool. It is a series on Hulu, 10 episodes, 30 minutes. It's an episodic comedy. It is irreverent as hell. Like, you are either going to like this or be offended by it a lot. Um, but it is about a 30-year-old dude still lives at home, and he is rehabilitating his cholo cousin. <laughs> who like just like he still thinks it's 2005 it's really good it's really like it really captures a lot of the funny things about like if you've ever known a cholo or you have been with cholos who have grown up like perfect it is great it's awesome peak mexican-americanness echoes is the next one that just came out on netflix that is a like it's chaotic and messy and like a peak like it's a peak melodrama like there are these two women who are twins it's ethan hunt's wife playing both of them thank you and... that's the only way i know that woman i feel bad for her <laughs> Wait, i love you julia they, but i don't know what your name is in real life and they switch they switch lives like periodically and then one of them disappears and there are so many twists. And Netflix only gave me six episodes out of the seven to review. Like, I am dying for episode seven. <laughs> like, it is, if you like that, like, really melodramatic thriller mystery, like, if that's your bag, like, you gotta do it. It's very good. And then Dragon Ball Super Superhero came out um, 
that is distributed by Country Roll. It's the latest Dragon Ball feature film. Um, and I really loved it because it reminded me why I loved the fan the franchise as somebody who has kind of fallen out of love with the franchise recently. Um, not recently, not on bad terms. I just don't watch it. It hasn't pulled me in. Um, but this did. So I'm really excited about that. That's all I've watched. Oh, go on, Matt. Um, Itching to talk. Obviously, Kate abandoned me for a weekend. And so I just watched TV shows randomly and a bunch of stuff. I abandoned you for a weekend for the first time in three years. And it was fantastic. <laughs> nothing but lay with a dog and watch shows. Um, I watched quite a bit of shows because I'm a person who doesn't watch a lot of TV. And then I watch like every single possible thing in like a span. Don't sleep for like four days. And then I don't watch anything for like four months. Um, but one, I want to watch uh, The Pirates, um, Netflix show Pirates, um, The Last Royal Treasure, really good um, show, I believe it's uh, is it Chinese? Movie. Movie, my bad. And it's it, Korean. Korean, so I can't remember if it's Korean. Yeah, Korean, um, really good, kind of like your Korean take on basically Pirates of the Caribbean, awesome. And then, but a really one thing that just released on Netflix, not like maybe about two, three weeks ago at this point, of Carter, which is just basically a cocaine-induced ride. I don't know everything. I still don't know exactly what goes on in this movie, but it has everything that you could, whether it's zombies. It has bald zombies. It has zombies. It's got some guy killing like 500 people. It's Luke Cage. Yeah, it, it's... it's <laughs> Mike Coulter's in it for some reason. He's in it. It doesn't even make sense. The ending's still absurd. Like, it starts out with, like, really good action, and then the action just keeps getting turned up and turned up. It's like what Crank and Michael Bay want to do, but they but they couldn't do. I was going to say, it sounds like every Jason okay, Statham film. Okay, actually, no. Okay, so if you took the absurdity of, um, oh, my God, what's the movie? Is it Kung Fu Hustle? Where it just, like, takes every, like, Shaw Brothers, like, Kung Fu film and, like, to the extreme. Is it yeah. Kung Fu Hustle? I think it's Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, that... But you do the same thing for like action thrillers. That's what it is. Like it I wish, is... I wish people could see your hand movements. Right <laughs> now, <hey>. It's just. <laughs> I a, all I know is somebody that made me watch it. Well, Kate was gone and came back, and I was like, and I was doing this whole thing of like, I don't know what I experienced. I think I, I think this movie terrible, but I think this movie is amazing, the best thing I ever watched of this year. And I didn't really know because there was back and forth, and I was like. Somebody just got a bunch of cocaine and stuck their face in it and said, we wrote this movie, let's go. Like, like I said, there's helicopters, airplanes, trains, cars, four cars at one time, motorcycles, a sauna, a, like zombies. Sauna fight. Yeah, I, so I watched it mainly because I, like, I was very much in it because I like the lead, Juwan, that's his, like, his name, his real name. Um, he's been in, like, a lot of really good Korean dramas that I love. Um, I was like, oh, I'll do it. I was like, and he's hot. This is great. And then, like, 30 minutes in, I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> um, very confused. I just think you should watch it. Just know it is very violent, but I don't know. I, people are like, is it good? And I'm like, I don't know. There are parts that are terrible, and there's also parts it's, that some of like, them There's a helicopter that does a barrel roll! Like I said, there's stuff that's like, this is terrible, and then there's stuff that's like, this is the most awesome thing they I've ever fight, seen. They fight across, like, four vans, like, open <laughs> It's fucking weird. Man doesn't even have his memory. We don't even it's know. so much. This sounds bonkers. So it is, it sounds it is, I'm telling bonkers. you, it is just an insane, like, two hours. I've seen it now twice. 
I still can't tell you what is, <laughs> what exactly the entire plot or where this thing is going. Well, I was gonna say that I was gonna say that segues nice into something I watched this week, which was everything everywhere all at once, which was just balmy. I mean, I, what a film! Yeah, what a film! But it's amazing. Just I don't even have words for it. Just absolute insanity and it's funny because everyone was like this is the multiverse movie and i'm like you're not wrong like <laughs> not wrong at all it's just insane and michelle yo's just she's so good she's a queen ah oh, that movie's phenomenal it's just so good if anyone's on the verge of watching it and thinking about it absolutely do it it's just crazy it's so and that ending the ending crushed me man oh crushed me Cried. um but I've also been watching um, What We Do in the Shadows, which I absolutely adore. Uh, season four currently on FX, and you can watch it on Hulu as well. And I love it. I just love it. It's so So wholesome. it's not FX it's so or FXX or whatever they do now. Do it's they... on Hulu. It's, just everybody watches on it on Hulu. Hulu. I do not watch Hulu. I don't Hulu. You don't even, you know, go away. Every clip I've seen well, in the show looks funny, but I still never watched it. But I, it's, I, don't, it's, I no, actually awesome. think you would really like. No, it looks everything I've you seen look, it looks great. Yeah. I, just, I don't it. Hulu. It's, it's a perfect it's, it's balance type of, of humor that you love. It looks like it. It looks great from everything I've seen. I was gonna say it's the great balance. It, like it's it's silly, but it never goes over the top. It kind of blends that fly in the wall documentary with scripted comedy, and it's just silly. And Guillermo's the man. I love Guillermo. He's so awesome. I love him so much. He's so it's just it's a He's great a cinnamon show. roll. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just I love it. I love it. Uh, I also watched um, Bad Sisters. By the time this podcast comes out, episode one and two will be available on Apple Plus TV, and I just love it because it's an Irish dramedy thriller and. It's just insane. And it's got uh, a new, well, not a new actor, but it's someone I've just kind of been introduced to. His name's Clay Bang. Uh, he's a Danish actor, but he's got this very English accent. And he's just just a great villain. Just a terrible, terrible man, but a fantastic villain. I, it's, it's awesome. It, it, every episode, I just couldn't help but watch it. And I, I was reminded watching it, it was kind of like, this is a television show that knows it's a television show and every episode kind of works and it's it really really good um if you're you might struggle with some of the irish accents they are quite thick so maybe subtitles <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i think i watch most english irish content with subtitles <laughs> when, when more we're so on... than like anything else when we're allowed to actually have accents and we're allowed shows where it's not just like, hey, we're but not But you don't have to sound like David Attenborough? Or Hugh Grant or like the stereotypical English accents. Like I, when I first came over, people confused me of like Irish and Scottish and South African and Australian. And I'm just like, how? Canadian. I had Canadian once. I was like, how? You speak French? <laughs> oh, no. I once someone asked me like, that they thought in England the national language was French. Yeah, Amer true story. Uh, Americans aren't very smart. I no, once, they're not. I got asked by a teacher from a school district, was it hard for me to learn the language when I moved over? True story. It's, well, uh, we all know how bad education is in this country. <laughs> all right, let, yeah, let's, um, let's, but yes, let's bad, wrap it. <laughs> but Bad Sisters is good. I also watch Paper Girls. 
Kate did a phenomenal review on Paper Girls. Go check it out. And you should also watch Paper Girls. Awesome. It's it was really so good. Good sci-fi. Just great show on Prime Video. Max, time travel, existential crisis. I don't do giant Max. robots. I don't do giant robots. Oh, that's right. It makes me sad. Giant robots are terrible. You all should be proud of our marriage for surviving. We agree on a lot of things. I just don't do giant robots. Mm. Pacific Rim is terrible. Sir? <laughs> and that's a good no. place to end the podcast. <laughs> If you don't hear from Matt after this podcast airs. So everyone out there, go check on Matt. Make sure he's okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please don't forget to drop us a like, subscribe, retweet, or review. Whatever we can get, we will take. I promise you everything. Just engage with it, please, and say hello. Uh, make sure you check out the site, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can always find us in the But Why Though Discord, chatting about the latest in pop culture news. That is discord.gg slash But Why Though PC. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at But Why Though PC. Kate, where can the people find you if they want to check out more of your stuff? You can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Twitter. Um, I did a whole bunch of dope interviews over at Crunchyroll Expo, including an interview with the CEO of MAPPA on Chainsaw Man, the amazing manga that is now getting turned into a dope anime from Studio MAPPA. Um, and you can find all of my anime content on Instagram at the same handle, OhMyMithRandier, or you can catch me uh, lurking around the Discord. Discord.gg slash do. Especially if you talk 90 Day Fiance. Yes! Like, literally, we do it every <laughs> Sunday. It's great. <laughs> And I've been your host, Aaron. You can find me at BritishCPA on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find all my writing uh, at the Bawaido site. And you can find me featured on some of the Twitch and YouTube reviews if you so choose to go check them out. Uh, if that's not enough, you can always, always, always find me in the Bawaido Discord. I am always there saying hello. Uh, that's if you want your fill of Britishness. Matt, how about you? I'm just waiting for the final tell-all. To see if Sparkles gets his ass beat. By Boston. By Boston. <laughs> oh my god. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>